0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size podcast. Um, This is the Arsenal Leicester review from the first home game at the Emirates yesterday which Clayton went to watch. I'm very jealous I'm sure if you've not seen his TikTok already check out his little video of um, the journey to the Emirates and the atmosphere. It looked incredible. Um, How are you this morning Clayton?
1: Good good absolutely buzzing feeling a little bit jaded i'm not like hungover, but i can tell i had a few drinks but uh, yeah yes yesterday was such a good day man it was everything we were hoping it would be result wise and performance wise but just the actual social and the day i i really enjoy like ground hopping and going to see different football games which i'd been doing in pre-season without the arsenal but nothing beats just being back there at home and yeah i felt Arsenal was such a big part of my life like yeah it just makes me so happy so um, yeah on on cloud nine this morning how you doing?
0: Yeah good man Um, I think my favorite part was just how quickly we came back from conceding the two goals so I don't know if we've been that determined in previous seasons that I can remember.
1: No yeah definitely it was yeah I think I've heard on match of the day it was like Leicester scored, and then both times we went and scored in less than two minutes straight after, which was pretty bonkers. But yeah, really, really it good. like a different really team, promising. right? it yeah, was, it was we honestly really I was do. so happy. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable, and yeah, looking forward to dissecting it going forward. Do you want to start with your summary of it? Yeah, I'll give a quick summary, and then obviously this was the
0: lineup as well for anyone who um, didn't get to watch the game or didn't see the predictions in the preview episode. So it's the same lineup as against Palace. Um, we, we thought maybe Tierney might come in for Zinchenko. That didn't happen. So we we'll could talk more about that in, in the rest of the episode. Um, from a summary perspective, I guess for me, it just felt like it was a really solid and convincing attacking performance. We felt very fluid uh, going forwards. Um, the likes of Xhaka really screamed out to me. I didn't yeah. expect him to be taking up such advanced positions. He... It was weird because it reminded me of a quote Wenger gave. I think it was back in 2016, and he said like, jack is a box to box midfielder," and I don't know if you he saw into the future. Yeah, exactly. Because I I never quite saw that until now, and this was maybe the first time I've ever seen him perform that role so convincingly. But it was almost like he knew that we want to buy Telemans, and he was like, yeah. "Mate, <laughs> I'm, like, no, not, I'm not letting this yeah. happen." <laughs> <laughs> we still need depth. I'm sure if one gets injured in the CM position, we're a bit light. But um. No, that's, so I think Xhaka was someone who I wanted to just call out. Obviously, man of the match, Jesus as well. Um, couldn't dream of a better debut, you know, two goals, two assists. Um, I think the telling part is he was pretty disappointed um to not yeah. score four goals because he thought and he, he could probably score four.
1: should have, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So that was again, that was incredible to see him frustrated to not score four goals on his home debut. And um similarly, I saw Zinchenko look absolutely livid after we conceded. So we have two players in them who are both, you know, four time Premier League winners. Now Um, it just feels like they bring a mentality that maybe the younger squad didn't have, which is that losing a single game is
1: unacceptable for them. And, after, I think it was the second goal. I know it came down his side, but did you see his reaction? He was fuming like in a, yeah. in a positive way, not like berating people. Just, you could tell that that's not to his standard. And yeah, just...
0: just the sheer disappointment. Like it's like, it's not even yeah. about losing at that point. It's about, we shouldn't even be conceding. Like that's yeah. how angry he was about conceding. So I love to see that. Um It was nice to have a stronger bench as well. Obviously we saw the likes of kind of Tommy Yasu, um, Tieni, Smith, Row, Eddie was on there. I know Vieira didn't quite make it, but he's been in training. There's some interesting quotes about where the manager sees him playing, which we'll talk about as well. Hopefully Um, he'll be in the squad next Saturday. I really hope so. I'd love to see him. And obviously we've got two promoted teams up next. Um, We've had a great start to the season, six points off the board. Um, Couldn't ask for anything else. Um, I think although we had a very dominating performance, obviously against Palace, it was only the first 30 minutes where we dominated. This time around, I guess my my conclusion to the summary would be that It really did feel like we were dominating most of the game this time. There were some shaky moments, of course, um, but we kept the intensity high throughout. So I think that was the key takeaway for me is um, we do still need to control. um, When we're on the board, we need to control things maybe a bit better, but overall, just the sheer kind of aggression throughout, that was really good to see at home, which we had hoped would be the case, right? Um, Yeah. um, I guess the only other takeaway for me was um, really... um, there was one just stat I want to call out, which is that we generated a 3.1 non-penalty XG. And did last they? season, Jesus. yeah. Yeah, last season we only generated over a free XG from non-penalties once away to Leeds.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
0: So we've done that already in game week two, and like we only did it once all of last year. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come. But that that, that one really screamed out to me because it was like, Yeah, I've not seen our attacks so wild. And we seem to be very focused on the left, which was almost a dead, port, a dead point last season. So we were so reliant on Saka on the right wing that it's nice to actually see that we can go down a different avenue for attack. But how about you? What was your kind of thoughts from a summary perspective of the match?
1: Yeah, really similar to you, to be fair. I um yeah was really happy with the level of attacking control and dominance that we showed. Same as you, I think there were moments where Leicester um, troubled us, but that's what we said in the preview, right? They're, they're not... um they're not nobodies. They're a good side. They've got good players and especially good attacking players that can hurt you. So that was always to be a little bit expected. But yeah, just putting the focus on Arsenal, I, I was absolutely over the moon with what I saw. Um, it was everything I was hoping to see going into a home game. Just be that top team, assert your dominance. And it yeah, it was everything that I was hoping to see. I think going like back to front, people that impressed me zinchenko flipping hell man he is unbelievable his technical ability and the way he can just keep the ball the way his positional movement and his rotations with zaka uh, that it's seamless you, like you, they look like they've been playing for years and their tactical understanding is just absolutely brilliant and yes yeah, se- just echo what you said really i was quite vocal in pre-season about wanting to kind of reduce that importance, not importance, reduce the, um, I guess how much we relied on attacking down the right last season. And I think, yeah, just echo what you said. Now we've got that ability to go equally as effective down the left. It's really exciting to see. And Zinchenko, just the amount of play that goes through him. It's like he's a number 10 playing everywhere. And it'll be interesting. I've not looked at like heat maps or anything, but it'll be interesting to see what his was. Because from my seat in the stadium, he was genuinely everywhere. And it wasn't just floating around for the sake of it. You could tell everything was... It was a conscious effort and there was something behind it. And I, I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. As far as home debuts go, that was brilliant. I thought Saliba, obviously own goal was really unfortunate but other than that he put in an eight nine out of ten performance again for me every time he got in a foot race he won it his front footed defending with um, his anticipation his interceptions he was top quality there he just looked really assured as he did against Palace he just felt calm and yeah like I said the own the own goal was unfortunate but I thought he recovered really well there was a, a tackle I can't remember who it was against but pretty much a a minute or two after and he just went bang straight in and you can see his kind of posture like it his head was up he was fine and what made me really happy was the crowd everyone was clapping him they were singing his name and yeah just the the general theme in the stadium yesterday was so positive it made me really happy hearing Arteta's name sung because I wasn't sure whether like that's (laughs) I really like that super mech Arteta song anyway but um I wasn't sure if that would happen this year, given how we finished the season. And it's really nice to see that unity. Um, just talking about a few other players, I thought, obviously, before getting to the obvious and Gabriel Jesus, I thought Martinelli had a good game. Um thought he was really busy. Um, made Fofana not look like an 80 million defender, did he? So um, Had yeah, him on Mar- toast, yeah, the, yeah. He had his
0: number the whole match. I had him on the early yellow, just every battle. He had to make Fofana think twice about, am I going to go in for this challenge yeah. or not?
1: Yeah, so yes, I thought Martinelli had a, a really good performance, linked up quite well with the people on the left. And again, just echo what you said about Granite Xhaka. The, the only thing I'll, I would disagree on was um, I did see this coming from him because he, he was kind of in those areas last season, but it's just the output didn't change. And that's one thing I was pretty vocal on in pre-season was, I think I even said, I need to go back and find the clip and see what I said word for word. But you know, when Gundogan came out of nowhere for Man City, that was clearly a solution that they were looking to try and yeah, find a solution to their goal problem. And Gundogan came out of nowhere. And that's something that I said I could see happening with us this year. And Granite Jacker has been making those runs for a while. It's just, for, I feel like with football fans, no one notices these things until you see output. So goals and assists determine how good you are for the average layman football fan but he's been in those pockets and positions for a while. It, it was nothing new yesterday. It just happened that he actually got the output that came with the performance. Um, but he was sensational, man. I, I, again, it, yeah, what you said, we, we're clearly heavily publicly linked with someone like Tielemans. And Jacka is just, he's not hes not letting it happen. he um, I want another option there for tactical versatility. Like, I really like what we've got with Zinchenko and Tierney and the ability that gives us to approach games tactically different for different game states and i'd like something similar with jacker and someone else in that left eight but, um yeah what it's
0: definitely more exciting to bring on tieni to shut up shop than it is to bring the holding last year yeah, and go into exactly. a back five it,
1: <laughs> yeah it's just a bit it's a bit more front front footed isn't it it's a bit, bit more proactive from us and uh yeah just fi- final couple of points on my summary is um obviously the main man gabriel Jesus. jesus christ he he is unbelievable. Like I was speechless at halftime. My jaw was dropped. Like that I, first I goal, I, I just caught the, the the just the chip, the audacity. Like I, oh no, my god! But it's just. Do you know what it is? Like we don't need to talk about what he gives us as a team. Like we've we've done that to death. Everyone can see that. But it's more. It's that ability to just create something out of nothing. I feel like we've genuinely not had that since. Okay, Alexis was good at that. But as an out and out centre forward since Van Persie, like. he he can get the ball, he will create a yard for himself in the box, in a crowded box, and he will make something happen. And this guy, his shot volume as well, he is going to, like, I don't want to put a number on predicted goals and stuff, but he's going to be up there because he he is just scary good. And even, like, there was one, I know you said, like, yeah, obviously he was disappointed he only scored two goals. I was as well because he could have done better on a couple chances, but one which wasn't to his detriment was when Ramsdale just pinged it straight to him and he cushioned it on his head spun Evans. i was, I was like what what is this guy like he's a different animal man i i, I was couldn't yeah i think you can tell i'm speechless <laughs> he's yeah i think that that rate. missed
0: opportunity just that that pass from ramsdale and the way he took it and got past the defender to get a shot off to almost complete a perfect hat and trick. Have um,
1: to give credit to Marty. That was a brilliant recovery and tackle. But yeah, like everything you just said there it was a sensational play. Um, and then yeah, just just final point from me before we um, move on was I thought the quality of the subs. Um, again, what you, yeah you touched on every sub that came on, and obviously the difference between bringing someone like Holding on versus Tierney. It's it's that. You know what, Clive from the Arsenal Vision Pod says about starters and finishers? We just look when these people are coming on, it's like, Yeah, we, we won this, and we're if not only have we won this, we're probably going to go get another one. And it's just, yeah, so
0: like with Eddie, he had like two chances to score as well in the limited minutes he came he on. He probably should have
1: squared it, shouldn't he?
0: I don't know, yeah, if that there was one being harsh from my seat,
1: it. but yeah, I just, yeah, I thought the quality of the subs was really good, and um, yeah, just brilliant performance man I think I'm conscious I'm always like an excited little puppy when things are going well so there were things like room for improvement if I'm being level-headed I thought Ramsdale again he, he made a really good early save I think it was from Fafana like really good save I was worried then that was nil-nil at the time I believe yeah um, it was from that...
0: Fafana yeah like um it, it was it was I think he'd forced um the ball off Xhaka he'd like nicked the ball off Xhaka
1: and then that was the one yeah
0: it was a fast, frantic start to the match considering how hot it was. I didn't expect him to play at that intensity in that heat, that's for certain.
1: No, me either. But yeah, I thought Ramsdale, after that early save, he didn't have his best game. I'll just say that. But obviously he's young. Um, yeah, hopefully that would just come with improvement. It's not to criticise him. I think it's it's okay to say there's room for improvement from certain players. I thought party going back to what you said about the kind of lack of control. I thought that came from him personally, you know, I think mm. his pass selection wasn't the greatest yesterday. I like he, I, I, what I love with him is that aggressive progressive passing and breaking lines. But I think there's a, a time and a place to do that. I met up with um Angus after the game, Angus McFale. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know him. And, um, we were talking about Man City and how in certain phases of the game, Rodri will just kill the game. Like he would just pass it, keep ticking it around. But party was quite aggressive with it and there was a few sloppy passes. And I think, I'm glad you mentioned the lack of control because that for me stemmed from there. And uh, again, it's not—it's nothing personal. I think, I think
0: so, yeah. But but I also think the one, the one positive that I will give to his performance is that because he's been able to hold down that lone pivot rather than like a 2CM partnering with Xhaka, that has also freed up Xhaka to make those runs into the box. So although he himself might not have given the control we wanted to the game to midfield, being able to have a player that can play as a lone pivot, there's very few kind of, I guess, CDM lone sixes in the Premier League that do it well on their own, right? So maybe he needs to control the game better, but it's given us like a way to overload the attack by having the extra CM run up the pitch, whereas we can trust him enough to kind of be there and at least recover defensively um yeah no, it's maybe really the, maybe point. out of play is like what he does well but on the ball i think you're right it was a little
1: bit lacking yeah and like it took it wasn't me saying he played badly like i thought he did well it's, this is me nitpicking right like um yeah, there were, there were moments where he showed his quality, his press resistance. Like There was one time, I forgot, he was, he was being pressed by two people and he just Cruyff turned his way out of it and then set up the attack. But I just felt like that level of control, that's something that could have been improved on. And then um, final one for me was um, Saka. I thought he, yeah, he he had an okay game. Um, he did all right. But yeah, there's, there's room for improvement. Like, he's growing into the season and it's not an issue. I think it's quite nice that he, we don't have to kind of rely on him to carry the team on his back this year. So yeah, because yeah, I think, think he's
0: two-time player of the year. Um, we relied on him a lot for goals last year. I think in a well-run team where the machine is oiled properly, you shouldn't be relying on a 20-year-old to score your abundance of goals. Yeah. So I think Jesus has taken some of that burden off him. Um, we'll talk more about Martinelli, I'm sure, and we'll probably compare the two when we get to the FPL section. But um, before we move on to um, like the more statistical view of the game, why don't we have a quick look through some of the key moments that we maybe didn't cover in our summary? So, you mentioned that first save from Ramsdale against Fafana. so I think that that's a key one. Um, Do you want to mention the uh, the Vardy dive? <laughs> yeah, so so that one as well. So I Ramsdale guess that um, scared
1: me, man. From my that seat. scared me quite I, yeah. a lot because
0: in real time, it was one of those ones where in real time it can look like a penalty, but I think you see it once it's slowed down. It
1: was a blatant dive, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, I I I think it's come to
0: the the point where I think people assume that any contact in the box is a penalty. And I think the way the refs are playing it is that there has to be sufficient contact. Oh,
1: wait, was there actual contact
0: then? Yeah, there was, but it was more Vardy throwing himself into Ramsdale because Ramzal tried to pull out the challenge. So when you watch it in slow-mo, it's kind of like, I think Vardy's thought was Ramzal's going to keep coming for the challenge. This is great. And then, like, Ramzil tried to pull out. But by that point, Vardy was committed to just threw himself into him. And Ramzil was trying to, like, pull back. And he, like, scraped into him. So, yeah. it, it was one of those. And I think we've seen it in a few of the other games in the Prem so far as the season begun as well, where, like, as soon as someone gets a bit of contact, they go down. Obviously, fortunately, there is VAR. And it seems wild to think that VAR did something in our favor. But, you yeah, know, so that could have been a sad ending to the first half to have yeah. them score think, one though-
1: and... I do think. Sorry to interrupt you there. I, th- I think we yeah, got yeah, away with go done there, like uh, not in the sense that they should have had a pen. Like it was clearly the correct decision, but we're we're talking about a margin of error there between millimeters, right? Like Ramsdale's yeah. fundamental. Goal it was there, millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. He he got that in my opinion wrong, and that's something that I think on another. Like, he day... probably
0: shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Like because I think when you look at it as well, it looked like Vardy was gonna have to take the ball away from goal. So yeah, had he stayed in goal. Vardy would have had to run to the side of the goal once he got the ball. It wasn't going to be like the most clear cut opportunity. Like, I don't know if it was necessary for him to be
1: so kind of hot headed and run forward like that. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's something that just comes with age and maturity. Um, Just being able to make calm, rational decisions as opposed to kind of what your adrenaline driven instincts are. Um But yeah, that, that was something that yes, worried me a little bit. Um, Trying to think what other incidents there were. Sim, Xhaka obviously had a quite a good chance, didn't he? That header, which was a good save. Yeah. So he hit the.
0: So I think that was the other moment was he hit the crossbar or the post. Um, I think he oh, hit the post. One. Did it? Yeah. So I think there was a few. There was there was a few options. So I've got here in terms of the match report. I've got um. So, Jesus had like a glancing um, header or something, which went to the side netting from a Martinelli yeah. free kick. And then Xhaka st- uh, stroked the woodwork from a header that Saka gave from the centre. Yeah, so I remember seeing that. A few of those. Yeah,
1: that was a great cross in from Saka. And, yeah, Xhaka's run into the box. It's, yeah, everything that we want from our number eight. And, yeah, it was nice to see him getting in those positions. And, yeah, unfortunately, he didn't get another goal there. And then
0: I guess in the second half, a few key moments. So obviously there was the communication breakdown between Saliba and Ramsdale, which gave them a bit of a lifeline, but we came back in pretty quick. Um, It's unfortunate that was a millimeters again as well. You know, like Saliba could have headed it out for a corner. It is what it is. But I think it was fantastic to see the fans like, Straight on to supporting him and And not letting players lifting him
1: as well. Like Odegaard, obviously, he's the captain. He was straight over to Saliba, sort of head up. And yeah, everyone. It's just the the vibe around the team and the, the sort of fans at the moment is really good. So yeah, just agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, so I think you're right. Like, I think Arteta himself said that he actually. Preferred Saliba's performance this game than against Palace, um, okay. because of the way he responded to the pen uh, to the goal, sorry to the own goal, um, because he was faultless before and after. That was like the one bad mark on him for the game, and he was able to shake it off at such a young age and just like re- retain his composure. So that was really good, um, and then about so, you know, like I think we got to sixty minutes and Leicester hadn't um really done much apart from obviously the own goal from us and the VAR and the Fafana shot. But then when Ianacho came on as a sub and Pat Sandaka, they linked up quite well. And I think it was that's how we conceded the Madison goal was Ianacho then linked up with Madison um, soon after the Ianacho pat Sundaka link up. So they started yeah. having a bit of a different formation. I think they moved from a back three to a back four. So they tried to shift their tactics a bit. Um, and yeah, so that, that was unfortunate. I think the fact that the goal went through Ramsdell's legs, yeah. that, that was less I, than ideal.
1: I thought he could have done better with that personally. Um... Yeah. But then again,
0: we waited like less than 60 seconds for a response. So that was wild. Um, So Martinelli, um, you know, he was working space for a left footed shot um, from the edge of the box after being picked out by him. That was a great finish, wasn't it? It was mad. Yeah. So it's like, there's just something about Martinelli. I'm sure we'll come to him more, but there's been a few people on social media who've said that they think he's one of our best finishers at the club. I know he's probably young and still a bit raw, but there is something about him like, You always wonder, will he be a forward one day? But then with what he does off the ball as a winger, um, that's what we said in preseason, right? Like, I felt that he offers so much more off the ball for the Arteta system compared to Smith-Rowe that I just can't see how Smith-Rowe can take that spot back. Like, he's integral to the way we play now, uh, Martinelli. And seeing Jesus, you know, the first man leading the line, playing with such ferocity, like, I do wonder if Martinelli looks at that and thinks, oh...
1: This is like a role model for me. Like I need yeah. to play like this. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think it probably does because he, he kind of has that in his DNA anyway, right? It's not something that he's being taught new. Um. He's, always he's one of like the best that,
0: trainers, but... right? Like in all or nothing, they were saying two or three of the players train at a world-class level like yeah. it's the World Cup final every training session. I think yeah. he might be one of them.
1: <laughs> I think what, what you said about Smith-Rowe, I'm not concerned about that. In um, He'll get minutes. I think that's the thing we were saying again in pre-season with five subs kind of moving away from the tags of starters and sub options and more starters, finishers, and just like yeah minutes. And uh, I think Smith Rowe will get plenty, so I don't think that's something we need to worry about as such, to be honest.
0: Cool. So I think that's the main uh, key moments. I guess the only other one yep. was what we said about um, Jesus almost grabbing his hat trick. Um, yeah. I want to ask your obviously... opinion on something else after you finished. Yeah. As well. yeah okay yeah before we go into the stats yeah, yeah sure um so yeah so i think obviously he almost grabbed his hat trick um he hit the post from a tight angle there was a moment with ramsell's pass but i think all in all regardless of his disappointment in not scoring four goals showing the kind of player he is he, he really did claim to be you know like he came forward and he claimed his role as like a new hero for the arsenal so yeah. i think like you say since sanchez there hasn't been a signing that has excited me as much um He's Arteta's first striker signing, first time we've gone for an attacking signing, not defense. Um, Last season was more about the bare bones in the back line. But if that's how he starts, I I just don't, I, I honestly don't know what to think. Like, I think I'd said that I'd like to see like maybe 13, 14, 15 Premier League goals from him, but. Let's see where we're at after
1: Fulham and Bournemouth, two promoted teams. It might be a whole different story by then. So, someone on Twitter asked me, how in get before game week one, how many goals for Jesus by the end of game week four? And I said six. So let's see, let's see where we're at at the end of Fulham. Actually, so on
0: Martinelli as well, so for his last three uh, starts for Arsenal, including last season's last game, he's on something like four goals and one assist. So wow. he like he, he's just he's just raking them in every game he plays now. Um so yeah, it's amazing
1: to see that. What was your uh, question before we go to the statistics yeah, model? Yeah, just um what was your opinion of Ben White in that right back role yesterday and um yeah, obviously Tommy actually got minutes. I'm sure that's something we'll touch on in the preview pod on Friday for Bournemouth, but just wanted your opinion on White yesterday. Yeah,
0: so I think just a quick one on that. So I think Arteta said afterwards that the sub obviously wasn't injury related. He said it was um he said Ben White hasn't started many games, even since the end of last season when he came back from the injury and played okay. injured. So I think it was more of a sub because, like, he's not fully fit yet, but he's just, like, playing this role for now. Sure. I think he did better than he did the first game against Palace. That's interesting. But, I thought he did yeah. well against Palace. but I think he did do well considering it was Zaha, but I think this game, maybe the the reasoning was that he, when we look at the the kind of the heat maps in and out of possession, he did stay a lot more reserved this time. So I think yeah. he, he he seemed to be pushing up a bit more last game. And this game, I think he was maybe looked more secure because he was helping the back line more. He wasn't like as involved going forwards. So, but yeah, no, it will be interesting to see what happens because obviously Tommy you had some minutes for the under-23s and then he's now got some minutes in the league. So you do wonder what that means for kind of the back line. And, yeah. you know, Gabriel's the only left footed left centre-back, but... Is it him or White that makes way for Tomiassu if Tomiassu comes back in? Because the reality is, it's how hard can you to drop, drop Saliba? Saliba, right? Yeah. yeah, how do you it's drop awesome.
1: him? Like, <laughs> yeah, again, I'm glad you said about the left-footed left centre back because Arteta has been quite vocal about that and the angles that that creates. But I now wonder with like where we were so dominant on building from the right last year. Now that we've got that top quality option on the ball in Zinchenko, I wonder if that offsets the need for a left-footed. Left centre back in certain games, like I mean, against with respect, easier opposition. I think City, I think, City, I think City's two centre backs, I think they're both right footed,
0: so it is possible. Uh,
1: Ake's been playing there,
0: but yeah, yeah, but... so for now, but I mean, when they have first choice, yeah, because well, is it Diaz and Laporte? I believe they're both right, yeah, Laporte's left
1: footed, but um, so who am I yeah. thinking of? There's, there's one of the big sometimes teams. they've played Diaz and Stones, like maybe I'm thinking but... of Liverpool.
0: Do you Liverpool have a left footed left centre back?
1: Uh I don't think they do Virtually. actually, no.
0: But so I think I'm thinking of them maybe. Yeah, because there's one of the top two teams I remember. Like they explicitly play like the whole season without like a left footer. Yeah. So
1: but it's interesting because I guess they've got Robertson as well, which protects them considerably. Yeah. But I think stylistically as teams, like obviously we're more similar to City in that sense in the way we build play, whereas Liverpool are a lot more direct. They try and go through the phases a lot quicker. And I don't think they build from that, yeah, they don't build from the kind of first line of defense, whereas obviously we try to, similar to City. So, yeah, I think that's one to keep an eye on. Like you, I think it would be really harsh to drop Saliba right now. And, it would be I very harsh. I just, but it could I, happen. You never know, right? Like he's still it young. Could, yeah, I still think it will be performance dependent, personally. I think, yeah, it would just be whoever doesn't have the best game probably it will be a forced change that makes Arteta do it in my opinion
0: and yeah I don't see him just... changing a winning team so for now I see um what you said about Clive from Arsenal Vision um I think he's quite um he's almost prophesied the future of football which is it's all about starters and finishers now and I think as it stands Ben White at right back and uh, Zinchenko at left back they're going to be the starters yeah and there is absolutely no need to rush Zinchenko and uh, sorry Tomiyasu and Tieny back into the 11 because they said last season that's what caused the injuries to be prolonged is yeah. playing them when they weren't ready so even if they're like 90 percent, i don't see why he would drop a winning team they'll probably just get minutes as finishes and they'll come on earlier and earlier yeah. and we have five subs and we can make the most of having a refreshed back line and as long as everyone does their part they're not going to get dropped unless it's forced Um, before we look at the statistics and like just we'll do this part quickly because um we want to get to some FPL stuff as well questions in the chat. I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone. So good to see Bungle here as well. Bungle Daguna tuning in. Uh Mike Halpin, thanks for tuning in, mate. Um, we've also got a few others who tuned in since we went. I've got Akib, good to see you, mate. Yeah, it's nice to see some of you guys coming in live. It was very I know we only gave like one hour's notice yeah, for live streamer. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys. Um, if you do find today's episode helpful as well, please do smash that like button. Um, well, we're trying to get to like 10 likes per episode for now as we slowly grow and creep up to those 100 subs. I think we're on 68 subs. So if you are new to the channel, please, please do subscribe and help us on that journey. Um, but yeah, other than that, let's um, have a very quick look at this stuff. Um, this is the kind of cumulative expected goals. So you can see what we were saying about at the start when Fafana maybe had that chance that Rams saved. That was the only period in which the cumulative expected goals were in Leicester's favor on the graphic. And then from there, we just kept building and building and building. So we ended on a 2.65 XG4 goals. They ended on a 0.57 XG2 goals. Um, the expected threat was 1.64 for us to 0.71 for them. We, we led that and dominated it the whole game. This time, we actually led possession just uh, 50.1%. So it was nice to maintain the kind of possession as opposed to that Palace game. Field tilt was massively in our favor this time. So 74% field tilt. Our defensive line height was very high at
1: 58 as well compared to the Palace game. So it's good to, to see us more that control. explain what field tilts that is for anyone that's not seen that? Before. Yeah, so the
0: field tilts just really like where the game's being played. So like, it just kind of means that we were basically playing in their half. Um, so mo- like, it's kind of like we controlled the three quarters of the pitch essentially so they only really had a quarter of the pitch to play in and it was their heart uh, their quarter i guess where we would and i think we noticed it with the way jesus was like the first defender leading the press um yeah it's like we were just constantly trying to create turnovers and win the ball high up and we didn't need to like i think there was one moment actually the key moments that i really like so everyone was pressing from the front and it kind of evaded jesus evaded the cms And then Saliba shows up at around the halfway line or like one third up the pitch and just sprints straight in, takes the ball gives it back to our attack straight away. And I was like, he's obviously made the decision that like, if I run here and I don't get this ball, there is going to be a hole at the back line. But he just went straight in and took the ball. And again, that was just like, we didn't need that much because the defending from the front was so good. There was very few moments where the defenders actually had to come in and defend.
1: It's high-risk, high-reward, isn't it? But you can tell, as a team, we're so front-footed now. Everyone is a very good front-footed defender and, yeah, high-risk, high-reward and we're currently being rewarded for it. So, player of the match, um, we talked about him quite a bit, so I'll just read out some key stats. He had 54
0: touches in the game, seven shots, four on target, two goals, two assists, three key passes. Um, He successfully dribbled three out of four times, a successful long ball, won four of his six aerial duels and won a foul as well, so... Couldn't really ask for much more. I know he wanted four goals, but just what an incredible start to his life at home. Um, I was thinking to myself, as great as he did and as great as Saliba did in the first game, there would have only been a limited number of away fans. So actually like when they came home and all these new signings in Chenko as well, and they get to play in front of the home crowd for the first time, to have that energy, it must have really pushed them on and made them feel loved. Do you know one thing that was
1: really cool yesterday? So I sit in the upper tier at the Emirates because, as you know, I'm a bit of a nerd and I like to see the game tactically and stuff. But my mate sits in the lower tier. And um, I went and uh, the whole morning yesterday I spent with him. It was really nice. Went to the cafe, went to the pub. Yeah, soaked up all the atmosphere. But I went and stood with him for the warm-up and stuff. And just watching our team warming up, I was like, my God, like the again the technical ability you can see in the warm up. was so good, and Jesus and Zinchenko. Just seeing them doing their like keepy uppies and stuff. that I just couldn't believe. Like, I know this is really random. I've gone on a tangent here. I was just more, I was in awe of just being so close to them and just watching them. Like wow, these guys play for Yeah, I always try and... to because
0: I'm normally up at series one. And I normally when I first arrive, I go down on the bottom floor, and I just go down to the pitch and try to get as close to the pitch as yeah, I can. Just get a little he... bit
1: of a feel even seeing Saliba in the flesh he is like we all know this but just seeing him there he is a man mountain like I can't believe he's 20 he's six years younger than me I was like what <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> his
0: presence is insane um but you yeah, know it's just I'm so happy for Hazes. I think I I got the score line wrong in the preview I said 3-1 um I do feel that any match with Leicester starts at 1-1 so it's like I always expect them to score which is why I didn't expect to clean sheet Obviously, the own goal made it two goals for them. But um, what can you do? I didn't see a fourth one coming. But you had said that if we get an early goal, like it could be four or five goals. So it was always possible. I just didn't know how early we'd score. The one thing I did get right, though, was I said brace for Jesus, goal for Martinelli. Yeah, so Xhaka, I would never in a million years have predicted <laughs> with the fourth goal. So I'm happy to take the L on that one. But the yeah, Jesus you're, brace. You're whooping me on that.
1: the prediction so far. I need, to, I need to up my game on that. <laughs> All right, so this is a quick one at the passing networks.
0: So we're 34 minutes since timestamp this. Um, so again, we dominate for the left. The big difference to the Palace game is you can see Xhaka's pretty much up there in the left wing in the passing networks too. Um, so Partey's there almost like right in the center of the pitch, passing to Odegaard, playing quite centrally, slightly to the right. But that kind of trio of Martinelli, um, Zinchenko and Xhaka in the passing network, it's just insane. And I guess that's why we see Gabriel was so pivotal to the build up too. Because he's almost playing like as the left back out um, in the passing network. Like Zinchenko was not playing left back. Um, From what I saw, like even the commentators were like, it's it's what you said. He wasn't playing CM or left back. He was just kind of playing wherever he could be the most involved. Like he'd just go to wherever he would be able to dictate the game. And film one of our goals, the way we made it was thanks to him. I remember he like, he was kind of outstretched. And he somehow nicked the ball off the opponent by like stretching his leg out and doing like a lunge. And yeah. then he like took the ball back into his feet and then redistributed, and then we went on to score. And I was like, what is going on? Like, just what are these guys doing? Like, this I is know. so good to see compared to prior seasons. Um, but no, so th- that, that was incredible. Um, Jesus is very central here, but yeah, I think it was just also Saliba, you can see was the last man. So Although I said White wasn't necessarily playing very high up, from a passing network point of view, he did have a good connection with Saka there on the right wing before we kind of redistributed back to the left wing when we couldn't get in on the right. Um, but, you know, it looked good. And when you look at, like, say, Leicester's pass map in comparison, um, they have their trios on the left and right, but they're almost pinned back to
1: their half of the pitch. So this is they were, the thing. their Stru- passing was stuck in their section, right? Like, they couldn't exactly. get out. Structurally, Leicester were very good. And one player I want to call out from the opposite, I thought Madison was brilliant yesterday i thought he was really impressive. i think he grew
0: into the game i think for the first half it was like a name that we didn't even hear so they couldn't get yeah. the ball to him but then he did he did start to turn up especially with the change in formation i think um yeah.
1: but Leicester's let's quickly map,
0: oh sorry no i was just gonna
1: say Leicester's yeah go on go on about Lester. just it, it's exactly what you said like it highlights how good we are at pinning good teams back structurally they looked very good there and again it, it was what i felt watching it in the stadium but we pinned them back and they couldn't escape. And yeah, that's. We're, I think mean, the key re- thing
0: as well is there is no line to Vardy, yeah. so no one could find Vardy. We're I mean, a really, he, he was just, really like, kicked out of the game.
1: <laughs> we're a very well coached team, man. Honestly, we yeah, something special is happening this season. It's it's really good.
0: I'm so excited. Um, so just a quick one on ball progression. We didn't have this one last week, um, but I thought I'd include it because it shows you kind of on the axes. There's the progression via passing versus progression via carry. And Zinchenko is dominating um, over here for via carry. So it's good to see him do that. Um, Also Gabriel there, yeah. Yeah, so that's something I was shocked to see as well. And So we've got both of them on the left side, essentially. I think it goes to show that the left side is something, like a newfound weapon for us that we didn't have before. Um, Here's another very quick one. So this is like in yellow, the increased chance of scoring, depending on who's passing the ball. So in fact, despite the quietness from Sacco that we were talking about, it was Saka's passes that were the most likely to lead to a goal. So he was still involved, just maybe not as much as we'd expect. Um, how
1: much of that was, obviously, that cross to Xhaka, and then, um, yeah, there was a moment at the end where he had a shot, which was well saved, and then, I don't know if this counts towards this statistic, but Jesus, it would have been a fantasy assist, (laughs) but um, Jesus, obviously... I don't think it would count in this one, yeah. No.
0: Or the rebound, the rebound, yeah, I know what you mean. Actually, to be fair, this is expected threat, so it's not necessarily an assist thing, so it was depending like, that would have still generated an expected threat, so it's probably why he's at 0.3, and Martinelli's there at 0.21, Jacka's the third 0.19, his passes in terms of look then on Jay-Z the other side look
1: at the receiver, oh my god Yeah, say, as a
0: receiver, that's just disgusting, so that's like 0.52, if he got the ball, if he was the receiver he was going to potentially score, so the expected threat was huge, but then what's wild again is Jacka's the second one at 0.26 so if Jacka received the ball he was also very likely to score. So that's not something I expected to kind of see um, that Xhaka would be the second most likely to score if he was the receiver in terms of expected threat. So that was just an interesting one to pull out. Um, and then this is the last one, I think. So territories of control. So this is very different to the Palace game. Um, Martinelli's still on his own in an island out of possession, but he's basically playing in their box just to the left of it. He's so far up the pitch. And the other key difference is last week, Jesus was controlling the center of the ball by himself. But this time... Odegaard and Xhaka are there with him. In fact, Xhaka out of possession is covering the entire pitch almost, which is great to see. Saka there is
1: really interesting out of possession because last year I I felt like that was a conscious effort because of Zaha. um, But it's happening again. Yeah. It happened again. And I wonder how much of that was James Justin to me on that left wing uh, as the left wing back looked really. yeah, threatening, and I wonder how much of that was that. But I've seen. And you can see people,
0: Gabriel, right? He's almost he is as, as a left back out of possession, right? So, and then Zinchenko is playing like way further up the pitch this time. So yeah. out of possession, it does look slightly different. The setup compared. to I last really
1: week. like the in possession one of Xhaka and Zinchenko there because, again, just what I was see. Like, I really like these because, yeah, same as what I said last week. Obviously, you're quite good at kind of understanding the st- statistics, and I kind of like watching things and using the stats to back up what I saw. And the rotation between Jacare and Zinchenko, I felt like if you had to, yeah, summarize the game, I felt like they were in similar zones, but the way they rotated so they were never in the same zone at the same time was so good. And again, coming back to what I said earlier about how well we're coached, just the tactical understanding of some of these players is Top draw, and um, yeah, I guess if you want to talk through the in possession territory of control, there, but yes I I think that really in possession we're
0: basically at the halfway line, right? So, like white party and Gabriel, that half of their possession maps are essentially in the opponent's half, so you really only have Saliba there with Ramsdale, even Ramsdale in possession, he's basically almost outside his box. Um, yeah, so we were playing very on the front foot, far forward. And...
1: But that's again what I was saying as a team in pre-season. We're looking to, su- especially at home. I said we're going to suffocate teams, right? And that's exactly what we're doing. It's it, it, that's not by that. That's by design. Having Saliba there and Ramsdale so high up because if someone's going over the top, Saliba's not losing a foot race, and then Ramsdale positionally, obviously, he still needs to work on it, but he's getting there. And yeah, I think this is just it. It adds to everything we've been saying about how we're looking to play as a team front footed and just suffocating teams. And I'm hoping we can replicate this away from home more often this year because at home, I don't doubt we'll do this. Yeah, at
0: home, I'm very confident of these performances. I think there was a stark contrast to our home and away last year. So it'll be good to see what this kind of territory of control looks like in the next away game because Palace was one of the toughest away games we have in the first eight
1: yeah it was interesting we were talking about the two three five weren't we and we didn't really see that as much yesterday um hmm. so yeah going forward, that's that. that's
0: true yeah it's almost like we've got like a hybrid model that's a bit different to city's plans um yeah because yeah I don't, I don't see it the same way um like obviously zinchenko is not tucking in next to party necessarily neither is Jaka. so it's like nah. i think they're almost like rotating that spot in the two-three-five, 3 five, um, yeah, yeah. and we're sometimes having six people in the attack not five so we're overloading exactly. that box massively. Yeah,
1: it's so fluid isn't it I just find that this is a big f- for me anyway it's a big footballing education watching this Arsenal team and one question we're going to touch on later in the FPL section is obviously Saka versus Martinelli but um, yeah I think it's just such a footballing education and I don't think no one game is the same with Arsenal this season. I think we're going to see quite a lot of exciting tactical variations. So yeah, it's just, yeah, really exciting. No, totally agree. So I think just in terms
0: of FPL then on that note, so if you're listening on podcast, the league code for the Bite sized Mini League is AV2 ZQR. There'll be an auto join link as well in the um, podcast and YouTube description. So Get in there and we can all compete against each other. Um, I think Clayton's mate is actually number one at the moment and his team name is very interesting. Um, what, yes, what was his uh, team name for the listeners? Yes, I'll
1: go through the top five. Obviously, I know we're halfway through the game week, so we will do it again for the preview Bournemouth pod on Friday. But um, yeah, at first we've got Callum, who's at is I hate. FPL, so well done, Callum. <laughs> and uh, I've been chatting to him a lot this week because he uh, was no Holland and was stressed, but he, he did well with the Bruyne captain in the end. Second, we've got Karan, um, so that's at Nighthawk FPL. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, sorry, joint second with Karan is a bit, bit in. Um, and then fourth, joint fourth, we've got Matt Francis, and whose team name is Witty Team Name, and then Che Junide, whose team name is Miners gold so that's callum karan bitten matt and che and then i have to sneak him in here i'll make mike help him he's uh also on 141 points with matt and che so um well done mike bring it home
0: well done mike you're, you're having an incredible start to the season um so talking of martinelli and saka from an fpl point of view so there's just two weeks of data so don't like take this small sample size get that for caveat gospel.
1: in there before we get yeah, rinsed. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah before any, if anyone's just looking at the screenshot on its own, so for the podcast listeners, um, it's just got a few key stats per 90. So obviously, Martinelli's not been subbed, he's played 180 minutes. Um, Sacks played 174. It was interesting to see him get subbed for Smith Row, not the other way around. Uh, big chances per 90 at the moment. Martinelli with one, Saka with zero. So Martinelli's had two across both games, obviously, because the per 90 stat. The XG per 90 is 0.47 for Martinelli, 0.12 for Saka. The XA is a bit closer per 90, so 0.33 for Martinelli, 0.31 for Saka. But the big difference is the XGI percentage, so expected goal involvement. So that's 40% for Martinelli in the game versus just 21% for Saka. I think, obviously, the 2 million difference has changed as well. So Martinelli's risen in price twice. He's now 6.2 million. Um, Saka's still 8 million. He's not dropped yet. So it's a 1.8 million difference um, with the newfound structure of a lot of our attack going through the left. That could still change. It's just been two games depending on opponent. Maybe we do put some reliance back on the right wing, but as it stands, I don't think it's even a pricing for me. It's not like, I'm not saying get Martinelli over Saka because he's cheaper. I said at the start of the season, I just just thought he was genuinely the option to have. And the main reason for that is I always said that I felt his rotation was like hyped up a bit too much. I'd said that I expected him to play like 70 to 80 minutes minimum per game, not 60, which is what people were going with. They were like, oh, he's going to play 60 and get subbed. And then he's going to play 30 off the bench. Uh, Something we saw in All or Nothing, and I'm sure we might see it this season as well, is there is an opportunity for Smith-Rowe to play as an eight as well, as a centre mid. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see him play there. And I know you were keen to potentially see him sub on for Xhaka at some point, but I think Xhaka made himself... Uh, undroppable during the match. So Saka got given a bit of time off at the end of the match instead. But, you know, what Martini does, like just the energy he had, like even in the 90th minute to kind of try and run back and defend is everything he does off the ball. Like he was the most deserving of a goal. So to get his goal yesterday, I felt so happy for him because just the amount of work he put in for the team, the blood, sweat and tears. um, I can't think of anyone who is an Arteta man more than him. Like... He he he's literally doing everything after the sun. And the thing that I think is a small thing for people to bear in mind is with the World Cup coming up, and us having three Brazilian players, we're a team that the Brazil national coach is going to watch every game because he's going to want to watch his assets. And he's going like, to he yeah. want to see if like he won't. Yeah, he like. And, and if you're someone like Martinelli or even Gabriel centre back, you're going to be thinking, okay, like the manager is going to watch because if Martinelli and Jesus have great link up. That's a way for Martinelli to get himself into the Brazil team for the yeah, World Cup really in November. So he's going to be, I'm sure Martinelli's going to be thinking the better I link with
1: Jesus, the better the chemistry.
0: Only this is an I'd opportunity. Add,
1: yeah, no, definitely. The only thing I'd add on the Saka thing is like, so I've got triple attack, right? I've got Martinelli, Saka and Jesus and it was never for the Palace fixture. It was more Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham as a team, I'm hoping we score six goals minimum. That was what I was thinking going into. It. We've already scored four, right? So Touch wood, like <laughs> we should, we should beat that six total. And I would not be selling Saka before Bournemouth and Fulham. Like, obviously, I'm not going to use the stats because, like, I think, yeah, two weeks, there's so it's many. Too, in too that. Small, yeah. But from what I'm seeing, I can say, yeah, Saka isn't as involved in the final third at the moment as Martinelli. But like I said a few minutes ago, there is so much tactical variation with Arsenal that I don't think any two games are the same. And I think. Bournemouth and Fulham. With respect to them, we're going to have so much more dominance than we did even against Leicester, if we execute our game plan well. So I'm treating those two games as I wanted Saka as part of my attacking uh, triple up for that run of fixtures. I would be a madman to sell him before that. So I think it's yeah, no, about... I wouldn't yeah. sell
0: him before these games. I think the attacking triple up is for these next two, especially, especially exactly number and the, three.
1: Beyond that. Yeah, I said it this morning on Twitter. I'm thinking maybe I want to go one Arsenal defensive asset, whether that's Ramsdale or a defender, and then Jesus picks himself. And like you, I think Martinelli is a better asset than Saka. And it's not just the money, but the money goes a long way at this stage of the season. So I think like I wouldn't
0: be making that... Like Let's say this week, right? I wouldn't be selling Saka to Martinelli unless you're genuinely going to strengthen your team with the 2 million. Um, I'll be holding him for a few more weeks yet. If you have both like you do, then I'd definitely not be selling Saka because oh, the only no player way. under eight mil that I want is Martinelli. So if you already have Martinelli under eight mil, who else do you go to? Like, I guess there's the city mids at eight mil, maybe like you go to like a Foden, but you know, I think his assist was very lucky yesterday. So, like, I've not seen the know. highlights to be fair. Yeah, it's kind of like. There was a world he scored, so you know he got an assist because oh, okay. he passed the ball, but like he didn't make the goal. Um, it wasn't an assist. Um, All so I saw it was, just was um,
1: Holland like in acres of space, and Foden should have should have squared it, gone for the squirt. That was frustrating sure. as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that,
0: as a Holland captain, that was strange. I I, I do wonder who Captain Tezu. If any of our listeners did, please let me know because I got to get you on the show and ask you what you were thinking and what you knew that I didn't.
1: Um, um, he's my bus cap for next week jesus i've
0: got him as a vice captain at the moment um i moved Have it off Harlan. Salah, but um there's okay. talks of a massive protest against the glazers
1: and oh, people just... saying
0: match being postponed and all this kind of
1: i was with angus for that game in the pub and that was absolutely beautiful like
0: i was <laughs> like i was hoping they'd lose don't get me wrong like no offense to my united friends but the way they went down in that first half it was just I've not seen an implosion like that. I don't I think they were saying like United haven't like been 4 0 down in a half, like in the Premier League era or something. Like yeah, long may it continue. <laughs> Quick one on the FPL points to wrap it up. So current team of the week, obviously the matches on Sunday haven't taken place yet. Jesus and Jacka both make it in this time instead of just one. Jesus got 19 points, Jacka got twelve, and Martini got eight again. So steady eight points two weeks in a row from a six
1: million asset.
0: As long may that today, continue
1: if you had to pick an arsenal defensive asset who are you going with
0: it's a really good question so i'm still not convinced that my gabriel at five million is like any more nailed than white at 4.5 once tommy else is back i don't think it's necessarily just that he stays because he's left footed like the one who plays best will stay and the other one will be dropped if i was wild carding like i know saliba might not have much attacking for it, but a 4.5 million I'd be very interested in having him just there in my back line. Um, If I didn't want to play the risk that there's three centre-backs for two spots, I think Ramsdale is a certain in goal for me. Um, Zinchenko? I still want to see what happens with the whole starters and finishes and whether Tierney does actually start some matches or just comes on as a sub. Um, Sure. I I do think that Zinchenko will play left-back. I don't see him playing centre-mid. it looks very much like he's going to be playing left back, and we want two players in every position. So, um yeah, like I, I like I have Gabriel right, and um, I, I had Zinchenko for a month in the preseason. I changed it to Gabriel overnight. Don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but um I told myself that it's okay. Like Zinchenko won't get many. I can understand from headers.
1: Um, from what I remember, you were talking about Palace and Leicester set pieces, and yeah, set again, pieces. We, we scored from a set piece yesterday. Like, so I can, I can understand the logic set, we
0: scored from a set piece versus Against, Bloody Palace as well, exactly. And Zinchenko so. got an assist from a header. Um, that that it, it's just kind of like one of those things that happens. Um, end of the day, I've not lost that many points from it, but if Zinchenko is nailed on in this team, I just love the fluid position
1: he plays like in an entire zone which is the whole left side of the pitch he's in the final third a lot so um like i think some people have this preconception about left backs and their outlets only but change Mm. your thinking like this guy is in like you said he's in zones in the in the attacking third often so um yeah i like i said i'm on the triple up myself the attacking triple up sorry and uh, i'm gonna see how we get on against bournemouth and fulham and then I definitely want three arsenal this season because i think we we've got good value it's just about structure wise whether that's triple attack or one defender two attackers because uh baker from the above average fpls pod says quite often to be going triple attack you need to be a 2xg team and we are like i'm confident we are
0: uh, like especially for these weeks ahead like obviously there will be a bad fixture run at some point and that might change things but for now like i, I... I would be looking to have free Arsenal players, especially at their price points. Let's take a couple of questions in this section. I think we've covered the Jacques, Saka Martinelli stuff. Um, yep. I know you said there were some conversations you'd been having on Twitter as well. So maybe we have cover those while people in the live chat. If you've got any final questions, um, let us know as we look to get out of here in the next five minutes or so. Um, while, while the questions come in and you think of the one from Twitter later, I'm just going to read out one thing, which I, I just honestly don't know what to say about this, but like, this is fucking disgusting. This is this is about Jesus. I, I should have probably said it in the man of the match moment, but this, this is actually disgusting. Um, he had 15 touches in the opposition box, which is the most by an Arsenal player in the last seven seasons, at least. Sorry, that, that, I was. So, so, you yeah, so, know, yeah, 15 touches in the opposition box by Jesus, and it's the most from an Arsenal player in at least isn't seven it? seasons. Seven fucking seasons. No other (laughs) Arsenal players had as many touches in the opposition box. And to make matters even worse, he's already matched the open play goals in
1: the league of Lacazette
0: last season. That's what, you know,
1: when disgusting numbers people were saying he wasn't a level raiser. I just, what were they talking about? Like, he's someone that he improved every facet of centre forward play, which we didn't have, and brings more. I just, yeah. He is a monster. Yeah, really. I'm not one for player shirts on the back of a uh, player names on the back of a shirt, right? But this guy's making me twitch.
0: <laughs> he, he, oh my god, Mike Alpe. Like I'll probably have fifteen opponent <laughs> box touches all season. Yeah. I thought he was going to twerk. He used
1: to love it. He used to love a twerk on the centre back, didn't he?
0: That would always be good fun. Yeah. But honestly, like things have changed a lot and I still hope that there is one or two more signings to come in. And um, Just speaking of Marquinhos as well, he's, he's been smashing in the goals for the under 21s. He's clearly a different level to those kids already. He's very built. Yeah. And he seems very robust for his age of 19. And um, There is talk of him going out on loan. I think our strategy has changed. So I think we learned from last season when Balogun stayed with the team and we only found him alone in the second half. I think the idea is to get the young players regular game time in men's dressing rooms as you were saying so yeah as much as he looks ready to play keeping him just for like six europa group games and maybe a couple of cup games second half of next season that does not seem like good enough to develop a player who's already too good for our youth teams um so i think we will potentially see him go out on loan nelson is now injured for the foreseeable don't think we'll be able to shift pepe and i don't think we'll see him much at all so I'm still optimistic that a winger, a mystery winger target see Edu could come in.
1: Jumping on a flight this morning. It was just so before to we Valencia. Went on, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I saw that getting on the Pino. plane.
0: That... <laughs> <laughs> Ringing Pino. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that would be good. Um, maybe Emery can do us a favor there. Um, but yeah, honestly, and I, I still think Tielemans, it looks like we might kind of put some pressure on the pedal now that that match is out the way. Maybe we didn't want to disrespect them before we played them. But. I, I would love an option there because I think we're one kind of party or Xhaka injury away from being pretty fucked in the CM position. Um, although Zinchenko can play there, I don't think that's Arteta's plan. Um, no, he guess a not. last question then from Mike Carpin before we go. Do you think Tielemans is still a target? Yeah, so Xhaka was definitely not having any of it, that's for sure. But um, I do think he is still very much a target. They've said that we've been talking to his agents since last November. Mm. So it feels like this has been going on for a long time and He's set on coming to us. There have been other clubs like United who have inquired and he doesn't seem interested to go anywhere else. So I think our thinking is that he's not going to renew a contract with Leicester. They are in massive debt financially. They need to sell him if he doesn't renew. They can't let him go for free next year. So I think it's almost like a game of chicken. Like they wanted 30 mil. We don't want to pay more than 20 25 yeah. max. I think we're just trying to go in last minute and swoop in Tielemans for like 15, 20 so. mil if we I, can. I
1: still think he's absolutely a target. The way I'm looking at it, again, I use this example quite a lot. The versatility we have in Tierney and Zinchenko to be able to go into different games. I think that's what we're looking at from our midfield. I think we're going to look at that as a group rather than specific mm. positions and think as a group, okay, party, Elneny, Lukonga, Odegaard, smith Roviera, Jacka, Xhaka Tiedemann's, as a group that gives so much tactical versatility and um yeah, game states. It's all about game states. So, and we're hoping, we're hopefully equipping ourselves to deal with a variety of those. So I think he absolutely is. And it's not a question of uh who's going to start. Who's yeah. Who's going to start or not. It's they'll get minutes and it will, it will all be
0: depending on. We want you. two players in every position. There's no way we're going to go into a season. We just, we saw what happened when Party got injured at the end of last season Um and how we like capitulated we can't go in with just one player for a position Um, and and like jack has been doing great but no discredit to him but when you have competition it raises your levels and i think that's how we got the best out of both smith rowe and Martinelli last year because that was the only position that we had competition in last season so it's a big turnaround from then
1: I just think there's certain games where we need Jacker's profile, like yesterday where there's space and it works so well and it stretches and pins Leicester back, but there's also games and periods of games like against Palace where we needed more technical control in the centre and the Telemans would have really helped us take that sting out of that game. Um, So I personally hope he still is a target Um, and yeah, I just think as a squad if we can get another left eight, another winger, we are cooking.
0: Just a final one, so Mike thinks that Hopefully Newcastle might make a deadline they bid for Pepe. If, if they bid, like, yeah, they, they can take him. I'd love to see that. I'm not sure they will, but hopefully he does go. Um, Do, do you have a ticket to Old Trafford away? I I, I sadly don't. Um, I'm actually no. going to watch it with my United friend. I've made him take uh, his day off work. Um, my friend Tinesh, um, he's, he's definitely, he, he seems broken at the moment. L- last few weeks, he's been very quiet in the group chat. He doesn't really have much to say anymore after I years we- of abusing us.
1: I hope we get over this psychological barrier we have when we go to Old Trafford. Like, we're years ahead of them as a football team. And unfortunately, psychologically, we still have this, not not as fans. I mean, the players last year. And I'm hoping the likes of Jésus Chenko changes that around the team. But we still have this. When we go there, we shit ourselves. Like, the the, the name Manchester United gets to the players. Um, so I'm hoping that changes. But no, I... Away tickets are hard this year. It's like gold dust. They it's sold So out I was gonna to ask
0: it. you actually. Yeah, so I feel like it's so hard to get tickets even at home this year. I won a mini league in FPL last year and I get a pair of tickets to like any Premier League game I want.
1: Nice. So
0: I've been trying to decide what do I go to and it includes like a hotel and it's got to be an away. Game. Ga- but that's the thing, even though there are good away games. I'm not convinced they'll get me a seat in the away group. So I'd be like oh. sitting in like a box maybe. In a sort I of a corporate that, and then. you have to wear a suit. So I was thinking the game that seems hardest to get tickets for at home is the North London Derby on the first of October. And I thought, should I just get them? And if we win, like it's a 1230 kickoff. Just get a hotel nearby and just go go out out win yeah. or lose like just go out out stay in a hotel like is
1: it definitely in like a box you couldn't ask to get seated with the fans
0: I can ask the tickets are from um, not to name drop or anything but they're from <laughs> they're from the owner of Sheffield United he runs a, like a seventeen person mini league <laughs> and a big man Bakar got me into it two years ago and it was Sheffield were in the Premier League back then and I'm not gonna name
1: drop but I'm best friends with the owner of Sheffield United. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, so I won the minimum to be fair, and I beat some stiff competition. But um like I think whoever won was gonna get flights to the UK, everything, that like hotel Also, obviously I'm already in the UK, so it's not like they need to cover my travel, but I'll take a hotel and match tickets. Um That's and I, it's definitely gonna be an Arsenal game. And I just feel like Arsenal Spurs, like it's the like I've seen us play nearly every single opponent at the Emirates. The yeah. one team I've never managed to get my hands on a ticket for is Arsenal-Tottenham at the oh, I like, think
1: you've got to do it then. Like, just soak it up, be in the prawn sandwich brigade and then, yeah, slum it out with the rest of us for the... Well, my other uh, thinking was,
0: like, so afterwards, like, I think it was uh, RJ from Only One Bonus Point Pod. He, went, he, he had, like, a normal seat to a game end of last season before he came to one of the FPL meets. And afterwards, he just, like, went into, like, the club level and just hung out a bit. And that, then, like, yeah. I think Ramsdale came there as well. So, like, I think some of the players, like, don't go home straight away. They're just, like... Come into the club level and chill. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like if we win and like Jesus pops up like to get his like caviar or whatever, like it's I'd worth very much it.
1: love to be in that room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I think you should do that. Yeah. That's that's awesome.
0: I'll do that. All right. So thank you, everyone. Um, we're running an hour. We, we do aim for thirty to forty minutes, but we thought we'd be a bit more relaxed on this one. Um, it's got a lot of shelf life until obviously next week's match. Got it out nice and early, and, and we there also was had some feedback to. Talk to... About, right? Yeah, there was a lot yeah. to talk about. We also had a lot of feedback that like it felt like there was so much we're passionate to talk about, and to not like rush it and just end the stream because we want to do it in thirty minutes. But uh, the preview pods they will remain ten to fifteen minutes because they're they're like right by deadline after the presses. So next one will be Friday before the Bournemouth game for yeah, now maybe like we
1: we'll do that after the presser. Basically. Yeah,
0: let's definitely Actually. do that after the presser this time. Um uh, I'll get this uploaded onto the podcast as well. Um if you can support us with a like a subscribe if you're new, hit the notification bell so you know when we go live next time. But otherwise honestly it's been great to have so many of you show up in the live chat on such short notice. And um good luck today. I'm sure most of us will be watching the Chelsea Tottenham game. Let's see how that what, goes. What do we
1: want from that? A draw.
0: Lots of red cards and injuries. Um, <laughs> a, 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 like a, draw, a draw would be great. Um, I have Mason Mount in FPL. I'd like a couple points there, but a draw would do me nicely. No Kane, no Sun, no Kulu. Maybe some own goals and a Mount hat trick. Who knows? Let's yeah. see. Free, free.
1: I, I, I prefer what you said. Injuries, red cards. I'm happy with that.
0: <laughs> nil, nil, injuries, red cards. Let's go with that as our ideal, not, not predicted scoreline, but ideal scoreline. I, I, I see a draw there very much so. But yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We were the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. We'll see you again for the uh, preview episode against Bournemouth. And other than that, like drop us a tweet on Twitter if you want to chat about stuff. If you're going to the matches, we can try and meet up pre-game, post game, have a drink and get to know the AFC Bite Sizers family who have been supporting us so much as we go into the sixth and seventh episode. We're slowly creeping up to double digits. But I was FPL all. Nima. This was Clayton. You can find both our links in the chat, and we'll see everyone soon. I'll Cheers. <laughs> Up the Osno.